In Jurassic Park, lots of dinosaurs that will eat you. Hello, everyone. Come in this podcast now. Welcome back, everyone. In case you didn't guess from my fantastical musical rendition, this week we are reviewing the film Jurassic Park from 1993. Uh, I am once again joined by regular co-host Will, who's back. Say hello, Will. Hello, I'm lost on some, um, I don't think you'll believe it, some hobnobs. <laughs> well, don't, because that sounds really annoying for the, <laughs> for the For the purposes of this particular review to be fitting, you really should be eating chili and sea bass. Or, yes. you know, or a Goats. whole live goat. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Mm. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk through Jurassic Park. Um, it was the film that was my choice. As as you'll know, if you're a regular listener, we picked um, at random. It wasn't like specifically we just decided that, that and that. But we picked some films that we might want to cover that would be good and some that maybe don't have that good of a reputation. This was one of my films that I love choices. So I was quite chuffed to get it mm. and to introduce Will to it because he'd never actually seen it before. Um don't judge him, he's from a different younger generation, so it's fine. Hey, I've so. seen bits and pieces. Once it's, when it's been on, I've seen bits and pieces, but not the whole thing all the way through. Ah, right, so I did enough. recognize some bits. Yeah, it's on TV a lot, so that wouldn't surprise me. But it's often yeah. some of the gorier parts tend to get cut out. But, um, mm. Yeah, either way. Uh, so it was a film that I particularly wanted to talk about, as such I'm hosting. And the way that I've structured it this particular week, just to try it out, is to break it into little sections. Uh, to go and sort of through the film chronologically, which could take up uh, forever. So what I've done, I've got sections um, on the direction, the music, the writing, the acting, the visual effects, and then just random miscellaneous stuff. Then we'll get to the audience interaction like we usually do, and then I'll give you my conclusion and score, and then hopefully we'll we'll do the same, and then we'll get a point. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not winging it as always, but there we well, go. Yeah, I, I presume you at least have a score. So <laughs> I do, yes. But uh, feel free to chime in anytime, Will, with your own thoughts and stuff, but I will work my way through what I think. Uh, it'll be no secret to anyone who knows me how much I love this movie. Um, just to give you a quick bit of background, it... As, as I've explained to Will in the past, not to sound really over the top, but it is the movie that sort of made me fall in love with movies. So I do kind of look at it as sort of a first love um, with those blinkers on because it was the very first movie that I saw in cinemas. In 1993, I was 11 years old. Uh, myself and the whole family at the time went, uh, and it was just amazing. One of my one of my greatest experiences seeing it on the big screen. Uh, if you get a chance, if it's ever coming back for a revival or whatever, I thoroughly recommend seeing it on a big screen. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into the actual review now because that's just a little bit of a personal note. Mm. <clears throat> and I'll start with the direction because, of course, the movie is directed by a pretty famous person, Mr. Steven Spielberg. Um, <laughs> you might have heard of him. He's made one or two things, you know. But um, so what? one thing Some I did notice... Some of the notice, best films of all time. Well, absolutely, yeah. And weirdly enough, two of them in the same year at the same time. But I'll get to that later, believe me. Um, but yeah, so speaking of Spielberg, I did think the opening of the film was a lot like Jaws. It was reminiscent of that for me because it's like a menace that you don't fully see. Uh, I'm talking about the bit when you have the raptor cage, I guess, being pushed through the doors. Um, yes, never... I, I did like this approach. I love this approach. Like, I, Again, I've never actually seen Jaws. But I do right. recognize the scene you're on about from Jaws because I think he's actually been posted as a clip on YouTube that I've seen. And yeah, I do really like the appreciation when we've been not shown, but just getting the idea out there that there is something and it's going wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in the case of Jaws, which we'll probably talk about in a future time if we get to it, but it was more to sort of hide the how crap the special effect of the rubber shark looked. But he, I think Spielberg kind of learned from that, that the less you see, sometimes it's the scarier. And so showing little bits building up to, you know, eventually seeing more much later, I think is it's a lot more psychologically disturbing. And the fact that you kind of see, you kind of see and hear noises and you get that sense of tension and you get to see the briefest glimpse of the raptor's eye through the cage, um, almost yes. looking at them. Uh, and But yeah, I thought... Uh, that that was really good and fantastic acting as well by the uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name. I think it was Bob Peck who plays Muldoon. Um, mm. Fantastic acting with the the now iconic line "Shoot her," which is just <laughs> echoing around as a meme, an early yeah. meme back in the nineties when this film can, came out. So. You can definitely see the cultural impact because I recognised about five uh, scenes from this that have been turned into gifs. Oh, completely! And I was absolutely. like, "Oh, that's a gif. That's a gif." Oh, I love that line. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's yeah. great. Moments yeah. like that. Great acting because it sells the sort of fear and that. So that's a great way to start your movie, I think, when because it well it would gradually build up slowly, and I think you need that scene to kind of hook you straight in, which I thought was a good choice. Um, mm. the, the one slight criticism that I have, and there won't be many, but this is a slight one, um, is that then in the very next scene, you find out that the guy that the raptors were dragging in only lost a leg, which I say only, obviously that's really traumatic, but in fairness, in that <laughs> opening scene, it really did look like that guy was dead. He was dragged yeah. into the raptor's cage. So I don't mean that wouldn't be traumatic. I mean, like the way that the, the shot showed him earlier being pulled through the door into the cage was very much almost as if it was setting up for all oh, that guy's being completely torn apart by the raptor. So mm. I was a little bit like, wow, okay, never mind. Um, yeah. But yeah, as I say, gorgeous touches of direction, like close-ups and stuff to show you bits and pieces. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and then we get um, a little bit later on, but this is the next note that I wanted to make a point of, is that um, the Spielberg sort of domestic thing comes in almost immediately when you're introduced to Dr. Grant and Dr. Sattler, and you find out that... Um, Ellie Sattler wants kids, and Dr. Grant's very sort of precarious about it. Um, it's a very yes. Spielbergian touch because he's just always about that domestic kind of life, and it was an interesting... Um, I don't know if it, if, if it would come into here or writing, but it was an interesting through line for the movie that I think worked really well and gave a chance for actual character development. Yeah, and I also like the approach that they went with, like, they cast as the lead roles not very recognisable people, per se, because it could be very easy to you know, hire someone that's will bring in the, you know, the box office numbers. But I don't know, actually, if I've seen Sam Neill or Laura Dern in other stuff, I'd be very surprised because I don't. They've done plenty, them. but you've done plenty, but it wouldn't necessarily be the sort of thing you would. You would. Laura Dern tends to, her career tends to be a lot of very arty farty stuff. So it's like David Lynch films and stuff that she does um, and a, a fair bit of TV in recent years. Um, oh, okay. Sam Neill just does a lot of low budget stuff, but he's from New Zealand, so it tends to be like Aussie and New Zealand stuff. I think Makes up sense. until this point, yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of big stars, though, I think that was basically why Jeff Goldblum's in it because at the time he was as huge as he is now. I mean, he'd done mm. he'd done so much. I mean, he was famous off the back of the likes of The Fly and stuff, even by this point. So he was the the known name, and obviously. So Richard Attenborough was a fairly well known, and I think somewhat yeah, surprising yeah, yeah. name because he's like a very prestige actor director. So to get him in that role, I think was a, an absolute stroke of genius. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. And it's a testament. It's a testament to the movie and its longevity. Um, <clears throat> I think that's the right word. Yeah, longevity. Like mm. this is, if you think of a dinosaur movie, Jurassic Park is still the one you think of, even though it was released how many three years ago. 1993 and, so yeah um, yeah it's held up so well um on on the whole there is one or two bits i'm sure you'd agree that haven't aged particularly well but for 95 percent, it still looks cutting edge excellent yeah i'll get to that later when talking about the effects and stuff because it is mm. it was it was a game changer but um absolutely agree with you yeah um in terms of mm. the uh just little bits of the direction um, we'll touch again on this scene with some other sections, but I think the sense of wonder that Spielberg gives to the entire scene, everything from the first appearance of the helicopter over the water to actually going through the gates of, you know, what have they got in there, King Kong, uh, and seeing the first dinosaur and stuff. I think the sense of Spielberg wonder for me, th that encapsulates it so perfectly in that one, like, 10, 15 minutes period. And I think he does it so subtly as well. Just the way he is um, portrayed on the screen, the screenplay, I just think it's not like hearing you over the head. It's like, this isn't, this is development. It's not like that. It's just like, I think it's so subtly done. And I think that's, again, a testament to the screenplay. Uh, did Spielberg do the screenplay or did he just direct it? Out he, of just, he just directed it, but there are bits and pieces that I've been able to find from all the various documentaries and stuff that I've watched that I know that, that Spielberg himself added. Um, yeah. But they're, they're not that many. I mean, the screenplay was by Michael Crichton, who wrote the original book, and David Kep, I believe the guy's name, who's like a Hollywood screenwriter type. Yeah. Um, I think he did a really good job. I'll get into that under writing because it's, um, yeah, it, it relates to a lot of certainly Michael Crichton's other work, uh, which yeah. I'll talk about later. But um, yeah, just as I think, um, I was watching, this is a chance to get a slight plug in, but I was watching the Movies That Made Us documentary on uh, Netflix, which I recommend, by the way. And um, the Jurassic Park one's fascinating, and I don't want to get too much into just recapping that whole thing. But one thing I did know is that um, one of the people that were commentating said that Spielberg gets across the sense of wonder because 
when the actual actors or characters are seeing a dinosaur for the first time, you as an audience are seeing the special effect look that good for the first time. So it's one of the rare instances where you're absolutely in the eyes of the character. Um, yes. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's a deliberate choice of, of Spielberg to kind of to, to give you that point of view and everything and to really amp up the music in the sense of like, no, no, we're going to we're going to really show you something here, you know, um, because otherwise it would have fallen very flat if it wasn't as impressive. You see, that's why I need to watch that documentary because otherwise I wouldn't have known that. And I wish I knew that before I actually watched this film because then I'd be a bit more astonished because that's one of yeah. the bits was like, it's it's not amazing compared to today's standards, but for the time, I'm sure it was superb. Oh, at the time, yeah, I mean, you've got to bear, this is 1993, so all we've had, there had been dinosaur films, but I don't know if you've seen clips, it was all like claymation and stop motion and stuff. Yeah. Um, which relates to one of my next points, which was um, the joke that's in there, which is, uh, what do you think about all this? Uh, I think we're out of a job. Don't you mean extinct? Spielberg added from an actual conversation that he had, <laughs> because okay. when they first sort of started pitching the movie about and stuff, they were going to do the dinosaurs with stop motion, uh, yeah. with a guy called Phil Tippett, who does stop motion animation. And um, basically, the, the computer whiz kids and whatnot took it out of his hands and were like, screw it, we're not supposed to, but we'll show how much better the sort of computer-generated thing can look because it's advanced in leaps and bounds. And so when sort of the higher brass saw that, they decided to go with the computer thing, but kept Phil Tippett on as a sort of special creature supervisor uh, to yeah. give him a sort of, to throw him a bone and sort of show, oh, well, this is how the creatures would actually move physically and, and such. Um, mm. But that conversation stemmed from the fact that when Spielberg obviously had to tell Tippett that they weren't using him as the stop motion guy, he actually apparently did say, oh, I really feel like I'm extinct because of these computers and stuff. So Spielberg was like, well, first of all, I love that line. It's going in the movie. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, I'm not sure if yeah. this would come under a director's remit or not, but I think the set and the prop design is so iconic as well. Um, the, the little Jeeps and the design of the actual logo and stuff. And it was yes. everywhere at the time in 93. I mean, there were toys, there was play sets. There was, it, it completely took over the world, much like that scene when you go through the visitor center and it's just a layer upon layer of Jurassic Park merchandise. That was every store at the time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, pretty iconic. Uh, as I say, mm. I, I've mentioned uh, already, but I do like that Spielberg kind of keeps you waiting before you see anything to kind of build the tension. So even in the scene of the raptors, you get the effect of them lowering the cow and eating it without actually saying anything which is another i think very effective scene as an early introduction mm. to it um but it did remind me of a story another little story that i wanted to mention from when we first saw the film uh, it was like opening weekend um and it was huge there was massive talk about this movie and there were some little kids in front of us who were younger than me and i was only 11 so they were probably six or seven years old um, who had heard, you know, oh, this dinosaur effects are fantastic. They might be too real. They might be a bit too scary. And so for everything that appeared on screen for the first, like, 45 minutes, they annoyed the crap out of us because all you could hear was these kids going, is that a dinosaur? Mommy, Daddy, is that a dinosaur? And I just remember that when they were, when they were lowering the cow into the raptors, these kids going, like, is that a dinosaur? And I have a vague memory of me losing my temper and just going, no, it's a cow. Shut up. <laughs> I, I, I can probably say the same about Tim and Lex, uh, two kids in this movie, to be honest. They go on my nerves so much. Oh, I, I thought they were great, but I can understand if you're not um, if you're not fully in with it. I think they're some of the better child actors, but again, we'll get uh, to that, I'm sure. Child actors are child actors. Most of them are, oh, I don't even want to say it, shite. Yeah, sometimes, but I think some of them are quite good. I think that there's bits and pieces that, you know, that are stilted like any child actor, but there's a lot of great stuff, I think, as well. Um, mm. But, yeah, go, going back to it, I think, um, again, building up the tension and stuff before we get the big reveal of the T-Rex, I thought it was a good, a pretty genius directorial touch to have the night vision goggles um, and start to see things through there because it gives you a layer of dissociation from everything. Um, and then just genius little touches that have become iconic, like the ripples in the water as the as the T-Rex starts to come. Um to sort of build up again, build up the tension. It's almost like the music in Jaws kind of effect. Because you start yeah. to see the, the water rippling and you're like, oh crap. And even in the scene later when Malcolm sees it and he's like, that's an impact tremor. I'm fairly alarmed here. We've got to go. So, and uh, when I think it was Lex when she was uh eating by the jelly on the Oh, I love that scene. Yeah, I did mention that later. And then she's just looking right into the camera from the perspective of Tim. And I just think, holy crap, this is the best scene in this movie. Yeah, it really and, felt it, my hair is on end. It was great. 
she's just staring, but the jelly on the spoon is shaking to give you the sense yeah. of like, oh crap, yeah, love the same same thing. I don't have to talk about that later. Then I'm pleased you picked up on on things like that, so that's good. Yeah. Um, the scene when kind of Tim and Lex are talking about turning the light off, I found personally really affecting. But maybe it's because I was young at the time of seeing it. But I was really genuinely feeling sorry for Lex and for the kids in that predicament. Um, so for me, I think that scene worked as a sort of combination of directing and acting and stuff. Uh, I didn't. I just want the dinosaur to eat them. To be honest with you, oh, I, I couldn't turn that light off. And I then when, the, and then when they're in the kitchen, uh, they keep hitting the mail. And I just think this is meant to be like, oh crap, they hit the mail. But I just think, oh my god, they're turning a corner and they're hitting the mail every single time. For God's sake, <laughs> that, that's probably my biggest criticism of this film: the, the child actors. My word. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I know you disagree with that, but there we go. I disagree, but only because in the sense that, like I said, I really genuinely thought the performance made me feel sorry for her. But again, I was a child watching it. so And I yeah. was, to be honest, a little bit scared at the time. It is a fairly scary sequence. Um, I mean, you know, it's not like watching a horror movie at that age, but I was kind of like, shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, even in that scene, like again, broken record, but bits that became iconic, like the shot of the eyeball of the T-Rex kind of staring through the window as the light rings it. It's Super. just like, yeah. <laughs> chef's kiss. Mm. Um, and that leads into the epic car chase later with the T-Rex, which does the same thing with the objects in the mirror. Um, it's, you know, Spielberg uh, close-ups to emphasize danger and stuff, even if they're not actually that close, which again was quite a nice touch. Um, and as a random side note, I remember watching an award ceremony in 94 where that particular scene got an award for best car chase of the year and i was like there's oh, only wow. one car involved <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's a good scene what can you say mm. um other things the, the however this is i've put it under direction but whoever's basically animating the dinosaurs the various scenes of like the raptors snapping at each other as they enter and think and stuff i thought was really cool because they behave yeah, like yeah, yeah. they behave like real animals you kind of got a sense of real life and it relates to what I was seeing during our Superman review about kind of verisimilitude and the reality of the situation because they weren't just following like a pre-programmed computer path and not doing anything they were acting like as if they look and I think that yeah. makes it a bit scarier and um, that could have really backfired at the end when um the really small dinosaurs go after the big one and that kind of gives them their exit route that is possibly mm. impossible and i think that could really bug me but it just works for some reason and i think it, maybe the natural essence of it works for for, for it as it as opposed to against because uh, you know it feels very it could have felt like a very cop-out ending but it just didn't and i think it's more of a testament to the um, CGI if we're going to go back to the CGI quickly because I think, again, 95% of the time it was superb and at the end, I was just like blown away by how real it looked. Yeah. And, uh, I know you don't necessarily agree, but I thought the kitchen scene was just perfect levels of tension. Uh, so I just... No, 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 no. no. The, the, the tension was great, but just the kids, man. Kill them. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. But I thought there was a lot of good touches and uh, on a related note to what you were saying about the cgi one of the scenes that i remember just adoring ever since because i'm still amazed that they did it was when the, there's a raptor next to the reflected computer screen and the green computer script is reflected on the cgi dinosaur scales and i, I was, like, was watching that and i thought oh my god i love that little touch there <laughs> absolutely and it must have been a freaking nightmare to actually animate as well yeah, so absolutely. the fact that they actually went to that effort and i'm like that scene that, that they care and i like to see that you know um mm. so yeah but related to what you were saying um i, I do have bit, bits about that kind of last scene which is that was another thing that was added later by spielberg um because that wasn't how the film was going to originally end uh, it all stemmed from basically how good the computer effects and stuff looked because he realized that having watched the kind of T-Rex scene and how well it plays out, he realized that the T-Rex was kind of not the hero of the movie, but kind of the star of the movie. And audiences would feel cheated if you didn't see it more than once, which is why it's added into the scene with the Gallimimus later as well, or earlier than this, but uh, later in the movie after its first appearance, because it was yeah. originally just going to be kind of like the scene next to its fence and then it wouldn't appear again. Um, so Spielberg was like, no, we have to get the T-Rex in. And, you know, that also gives you the, the kind of clever, I guess you could argue it's a Deus Ex Machina ending, but I'd like say somehow it just really works because yeah. you are waiting to see the T-Rex and the fact that they couple it with the kind of T-Rex by the bones of the T-Rex and the kind of dinosaurs ruled the earth. This was the king of the dinosaurs kind of thing. I think, and I um, really like how the ending leaves a lot to interpretation because at this, like before the end, 
you kind of get John who's saying, oh, he's very like going back on his words from earlier in the film, like he thought it was a good idea. So you could interpret that he was absolutely going to close it down after everything was said and done. But at the end of the film, when that could have been shown, it wasn't. And I love that. Again, it just works. And I think the w- it may be touched upon in a future movie. I'm not sure because I haven't seen the whole franchise yet. I know you have. Mm. Are the events of this film referenced or Oh, completely. Um, oh, okay. The events, the events of this film are hugely important, uh, going way on. Weirdly enough, the very next film, it's a completely different island, which was a weird choice because <laughs> it's like yeah. there was an island that we put the dinosaurs on before we shipped them to the main island. But uh, Jurassic World is the exact same place. I'll say that. So <laughs> there you go. So these things, yeah. these events are definitely. I don't know if the events in terms of the actual danger and stuff is known, because if it is, it's kind of like, would people really be stupid enough to be like, yay, let's go to that theme park with the dinosaurs? Hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure yeah. nothing bad ever happened there, right? We'd have heard about it. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Okay. But um, yeah. So yeah, as I said, uh, the, the, so related to that was part of the, the reason that that scene also exists is because Spielberg didn't realize what you could actually do with the technology at the time. Like he thought that you'd have to keep the camera completely static. To film mm. the the dinosaur computer effects because that was the way like the very early computers or generated effects and stuff were done um and then it was when the animators were making the gallimimus flock scene that they told him we can't really animate it all that brilliantly because you can see that the feet aren't quite hitting the ground if you stay static so not only do we say you can move the camera we actually <laughs> recommend you do so that you can't tell that that's not actually landing at any point uh and spielberg oh, wow. just Spielberg was like a kid in a candy shop. He was like, not only can I move the camera, you're telling me I should? And he was like, oh, we're going nuts with this. Now. <laughs> so that's, why, <laughs> that's why you've got Fantastic. like a whip pan between the raptors at the end and stuff. So yeah. And uh, I think that's probably a, a large part of why Spielberg came back for the sequel, because like halfway through shooting to realize that you've got that level of freedom and be like, oh, this is great. <laughs> kind yeah. of, uh, must be pretty cool. So uh, and what did you think of the ending, which to me, I think it's very emotional. Uh, you've got this, the sort of the themes wrapped up in seeing the birds and nature and sunset, and I read it as kind of a, a respect for nature and a sense of awe, maybe related to uh, Malcolm's whole thing about life finding a way. Um, yeah, I saw more of like a nature taking back why it earned, like mm. they were going away from what nature was free taking, mm. so they were kind of leaving a place of glee and stuff like that. But yeah, I get, I get what you were thinking, and I kind of agree. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And I will mention, because I promised uh, that I would embarrass him, that my little brother, who was really young when he first saw this, like probably far too young, maybe four or five, uh, was genuinely distraught because the music is so emotional that it just made him emotional and he cried and was kind of, would run out of the room. He didn't like the music at the very end because it is, it does, I think it does get you kind of emotional and it is very much, you've had the roller coaster of the film and this is your come down kind of like, oh, they're safe and we can kind of appreciate it. And, uh, but related to that, I did also like the touch about, um, Grant sort of sitting with the kids to show his development as well. And it's like you said, Hammond looks almost kind of reflective, like he's kind of of two minds. Grant is with the kids. Malcolm's just kind of like, phew, it's over kind of thing. So Mm. I think it ends in a perfect place for everyone. And you do love a bit of John Williams, don't you? Well, that was my next section, was the music. Um, Are we going to have another argument about this not being as good as, uh, what do you call it, Indiana Jones' music? No, I love this uh, John Williams score. It's one of my favourite too. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say that it's not better. Oh, well, it is in my opinion, but fair enough. Oh, very. <laughs> um, I just think that the, the sense of wonder and awe and the epic sort of crescendo when they arrive, I think that scene of the kind of the helicopter and everything and everything building up to welcome to Jurassic Park, I don't think that works at all without that music. And I think the music just elevates it to a new level. Um, so that's, one of, that's my key sort of moment in the film when I noticed it. And that's the, the main theme as well of the movie being played, which I, I just love. I think it's really memorable. I listen to it all the time. Um, yeah. But there's other things as well that I've mentioned, like the subtle but effective accompaniment when you first see a Brachiosaurus, so it kind of goes softer because uh, it's letting the acting kind of work out for you. Or um, things like the funky music during the Mr. DNA ride, when you sort of get a go... Um, music to sort of to enhance the tension, I think, in some case scenes was great. You don't always notice it, but you kind of do on some level. Um, sometimes the choice to have no music, I think, is is also worth noting, especially yes. during the the T Rex attack. 
Uh, yeah, I was just going to say when the uh, the roof of the car is being smashed in yeah. by the dinosaur and the kids are like having to push their legs and arms up to stop it getting in. I thought, first of all, that's great CGI and really holds up well. And <laughs> I, obviously a dinosaur isn't pushing the glass into the fact that they masked like whatever it was pushing uh, the glass down. That was superb. Well, I'll, the CGI um, was good. I can and, tell you about that. <laughs> and the music was good. Yeah, go on then. Um, that that's not CGI. That's why it looks so convincing. Um, for they Ooh. used a combination of CGI and hydraulic, like full size. I guess puppets isn't the right. I word, knew like they were using puppets. I sometimes um, I thought there's no way that's CGI. So yeah, for any close up shot of the T Rex where it was like just its head, it's an actual animatronic T Rex that was there. Um, so like the scene of it mm. sort of pushing the window down and stuff, or the scenes of it, like I said, where you just see the head. Um, that's the actual animatronic, but if you have a sort of head-to-toe shot of it, or if it's running or whatever, then it's CGI. Um, but I do yeah. think those lines are blurred. I'm with you. Like, you wouldn't really necessarily know that there's I, a join between the two as such. I mean, towards the end of the film, uh, again, where they're in the kids, and they're like, um, they're all together towards the end, and the dinosaurs are trying to break mm. in, and then I think it's Lex does the computer thing to get all the power back on and uh, the dinosaur kind of bumps his head past the window and yeah. i just thought if that's cgi that's crap i'm sorry so i i, I could tell that it was like it must have been a puppet or something then but uh other at other times i couldn't notice it i wouldn't say so the, the fact that the scene that i was on about mm. when i said it was great cgi that it just proves that sometimes it was effective and sometimes it really worked yeah, completely agree <laughs> and um, if you ever get a chance to watch the behind the scenes it is fascinating oh, because yeah. it shows you it shows you the kind of full-size t-rex head and i'm like every time i watch it i'm like those kids probably wouldn't have to do any acting because that would scare the crap out of me like it was actually that size and it's bearing down on them in a car and yes fair enough yeah. it's not a living thing but that robotic dinosaur could easily go wrong you know um and in you fact, know the in, moment where ellie's putting the power back up and then a dinosaur yeah, burst yeah. through the wall the rapper, that yeah, was CGI, yeah. was it? I honestly don't know. I assume so. Because um, that, in my opinion, is the best scene in the film. It genuinely scared me. I was like, oh, crap, a dinosaur's there. And then you yeah. just see the arm go around the door, and then she picks up and screams, I thought, this is superb. <laughs> there's a lot of, yeah. That's, I think that's the weird thing is that for a Spielberg movie, there's lots of movies like that, lots of touches like that, sorry, that wouldn't be out of place in a horror movie um, yeah. that are really good. And like you said even things that meld the line of humor and horror like the um thinking that samuel l jackson's there because his arm falls and then she turns and it's just a severed arm it's kind of like it's so that weird like you want to laugh but also be so scared but you don't know what to do which i think is uh it's really cool when you get that in a movie as well <laughs> yeah and it's just i think you mentioned earlier like the character development because i thought the character of john hammond kind of portrayed uh that quite a lot especially in the scene where like he sits down for some dinner while the dinosaurs mm. are let loose and uh, after his family, and I just think with all the grandeur of the room that they're sitting in as well, mm. I just thought it portrays the difference between the rich and the poor very very well, and I'm sh I guarantee you that was what they were going for there, like oh, the carelessness, well, and it was superb. It was. It's also about his hubris in the kind of because that scene starts with them panning over the the shelves and shelves of Jurassic Park merchandise. And it's the whole idea about, it's exactly what Ian Malcolm says, which is like, oh, you've come up with this genius scientific breakthrough and all you want to do is package it and stick it on a lunchbox, sell it. Um, and, yeah. you know, he, he he's like sitting amongst all these toys with, like you say, freezers and freezers worth of food because he's just like, well, it was melting because the power's off. So here's this extravagant ton of food mm. that I've got here whilst I'm nervous that my kids might not survive, you know? But um, yeah. So uh, the next thing I wanted to say, the next section I had was about the writing. Um, okay. I think at the start of the movie, I think it's actually really clever the way it sets up all the kills that happen later on uh, in ways that you don't realize that it's doing it. Like when Grant tries to scare the little kid about how a raptor kills you so that you know that before you ever see the raptors kind of stalking Ellie and Muldoon later on. Uh, yeah. As a result, you don't actually have to see what they do to Muldoon because you've had it drilled into you by the film earlier on. So, and, I, and I think that what feeds into that was the final line that you did say to the kids, show some respect. Mm. So it's more like to the audience, like, this is serious, take this seriously, and we'll show you what they can do. And when that does happen, it's going to be real. 
And uh, uh, that's what makes it more impactful for me personally. I loved that line. Completely agree. Yeah, uh, I thought the acting and the dialogue at the sort of start, the first, the setup periods of the movie was exceptional, especially when it's all exposition. I don't think it really comes across like that, and you're introduced to all the characters in really effective ways. Um, I thought mm. the the setup of the industrial sabotage plot I thought was really clever and quite economically done, without feeling like it was taking you away from the main plot of the movie. As it gets into kind of Nedry and uh, the company that are hiring him to steal embryos because he's basically a greedy bugger, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, and related to that, um, obviously the stuff when you get introduced to uh, Dr. Malcolm, I think the stuff about chaos theory becomes an over overriding theme of the movie, which is, I think that was an obvious passion of Michael Crichton, because if you've read the novel, it's 90% chaos theory, <laughs> uh, to the point that it's almost incomprehensible at times when you just get like, he stops the action for a full chapter to tell you about various parts of chaos theory and uh, subtle mathematical tie-ins and stuff and it just gets kind of like no oh, dude <laughs> so uh i think yeah. that's the writer's thing but it, again the way he feeds it into this film to sort of enhance the key themes i think really works um mm. one other thing that people have noted i wish i could claim this was me but it wasn't um the scene in the helicopter when it's kind of just portrayed to show you that grant's a little bit of a doofus uh, so when he's trying to fasten the seatbelt and it doesn't fasten so he just ties it um yeah yeah, it's yeah. being pointed out by people smarter than me that that's because that seatbelt has two female ends, um, so it won't connect. Did so you not notice that? No, but it's literally, oh. it's the plot of the movie because it's like female and female and it can't come together, but Grant finds a way by tying it. So it's literally oh, like two females yeah. can't, but you'll find a way around it kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, that is genius, but I would never have picked up on that in a million years yeah. if somebody hadn't pointed it out. Um, How many times have you watched this film, by the way? Oh, a lot. <laughs> a, <laughs> okay. lot. Yeah. Um, a lot. A lot. That's it. That much. Yeah. I've uh, I've saw it at the cinema and I've owned it on video cassette, DVD, and Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, and for years. Yeah, for years is a long time to watch it over and over again, especially if it's really important to you and it's one of your favorite films. I'm sure. Well, yeah, like I said, it's probably the most important film in terms of the effect movies have on me. I think the. Uh, the, the, the chap you can see on my icon, Mr. DNA, I think that's actually really clever exposition as well because it explains the science behind the movie. Um, obviously, you know, you could argue about the realistic nature of is it real or is it not anyway, but it's a movie. And I think that's a lot more effective than just saying dinosaurs are back and it was magic or whatever. Um, that there's actually, yeah. it, it, it tries to go to pains to show you what sounds, whether it's true or not, at least feasible. Um, but doesn't uh, yeah. doesn't bog you down with that. It's like, oh yeah, I don't care how the dinosaurs came back. It's actually quite entertaining in the way that it does it. Yeah, and when it they showed that like the eggs are are hatching, yeah. uh, what do you call him? Alan Grant had to like explain like the process in which they've done that and how nature has done it. And it's like it's a bit of exposition, but they explain it and they don't say, oh, they did it because of this scientific fact. They say. Or oh, did you recognize or did you pick up on this character saying it earlier? Yes. And it's not like so quote unquote one dimensional, it's actually explained and it's actually like drip fed into the script earlier and they allude back to that. And I just think they could have done that worse, but they did it so superb. I know what you mean. You're talking about when like he, he mentions that the Mr. DNA video talks about the how they filled in gaps with the frog's DNA and then yes. certain frogs can spontaneously change sexes. So like you see, it's not holding the audience's hand, but all the information's there. That you need basically um, yeah which i think is, it's it great. reminds you that that's been said and that's that's a exposition done really well absolutely and related to kind of like um i think horror done well for a kind of kids audience because there still is only a pg movie i think when they go to find the remains of what happened after the t-rex the clever use without any gruesome imagery of just the line i think this was gennaro i think this was too i think it's just really clever writing because you don't mm. see anything but you get everything you need in that line <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and i really did want to mention the scene with hammond that you mentioned where he's in the visitor center and he's telling ellie about his kind of flea circus when he was younger and how he wanted to do something for people and i think the writing is so good but i think the acting yeah. is even better than that between the two of them in that scene uh richard Attenborough absolutely breaks your heart and you genuinely believe that he wanted to do something to it to gives wow him some people. humanity it absolutely does yeah because he could have been completely as you said like oh he's a villain why did he want to do this but it absolutely at the end of it you're like oh i see why you were doing this and where you were coming from and it wasn't yeah. a place of like greed or anything he even says earlier like he didn't build the park just to hate it for the mega rich 
Um, so you, you really see like he's broken hearted about it going wrong, and then yeah. Ellie's kind of trying to have the humanity to console him while also pointing out like stop being so arrogant and yeah. the people we love are out there. So when she does that, it does break him down as well. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I disagree. It's like I will disagree to an extent. And then when you make a good point, I will actually listen and take it on board. Yeah. And I think that was superb. And there was a scene earlier in the film where they're kind of talking in like a boardroom, like they're just talking around the table. And it's like um the only guy on my side is the blood, the blood sucking lawyer. lawyer. I think that's a fantastic line. Uh, yeah. the, lo- the lawyer has some nice moments and I think you actually referenced the scene that I'm going to mention earlier in this review you mentioned the night vision goggles mm-hmm. and he says like where did you find those he said under the sea that means they're expensive put them back are, these, um, are they heavy yes that means they're expensive put them back yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah that's what I'm I thinking think about Great line. that relates to something that you it feeds into your criticism but it also feeds into part of the writing I think is that for me it very much sets up that the only people that die are people that the film tries to make deserve it um, so the lawyer's kind of set up as he's just pure greed and he doesn't care and he abandons the kids so naturally you kind of the effect is that I think you're supposed to almost cheer when the T-Rex eats him because it's like yeah you got yours because you're a nasty person um, and yeah. it's the same it's the same with Nedry because you've kind of seen him be greedy and underhanded and not care about people's safety because he just wants the money to sabotage them or whatever um so that when he does get finally killed by the dilophosaurus i think it's more of a kind of yeah get him dinosaur (laughs) and i know you uh i know we've spoken about this privately and he is one of my criticisms but i have actually seen his death scene before when it was on tv Ah. and i didn't have no context but i just remember being like blown away by the visual effects and just the scariness of it like he turns around and then there it is in the car with him i remember that and i thought whoa this is where it's from and it still holds up and it's so superb there's so many memorable moments in this film it's all memorable it's all Mm. fantastic with the odd exception but Mm. this scene stands out for me because i don't like the character of dennis nedry like i said to you i think we've watched a film where there's a similar character for this podcast and that's Otis from Superman. I think they're both very similar characters, but I think Otis is far superior uh, superior over Nedry. That being said, his death scene is arguably the best death scene in this film. And I would say it is. Um, that's I'm glad to hear that because that feeds into a lot of people's criticisms of, of the movie, um, which, which I want to bring up for the sake of fairness, which is that if you want to get critical, yes, the Dilophosaurus spitting on people to incapacitate them is complete fiction. Apparently that never happened. That's no part of actual paleontology has mentioned this. It was just something made up for the movie. But oh, okay. I almost don't care because like, it's it's effective and nobody says that the movie is a documentary. It's not claiming like this is 100% historical fact or whatever. Um, and mm. that scene really works. So for me, I'm like, okay, yeah, you can educate me about, well, that didn't actually happen with those dinosaurs, and I'll listen, but at the same time, it doesn't take I away couldn't from care less. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't um, take away that as a great scene. Like, I know we're watching Interstellar next week, and that's like a, a claim for a scientific accuracy, mm. and that makes it superb. But with Jurassic Park, yes, it bends the rules a bit, but what they produced is still superb, so you can kind of forgive it. You can kind of say, well... If you want to know the facts, here you go. But it, sh- it shouldn't be a criticism to say this didn't happen. That affects the movie because it absolutely doesn't add to it, in my opinion. I agree. And uh, the other criticism that was related to the writing that I was curious of your thoughts, because I don't mind it as much as I perhaps could have. Um, but mm. maybe that's me being biased, is the idea that Lex basically becomes the the DS Lex machina at the end when it's like, oh, I'm a computer genius. I can work out the locks and everything, um, which I would have more of a problem with, except that it has been set up earlier that she kind of yeah. doesn't go out much and she's great with computers and calls herself a hacker and everything. Um, First, I noticed it, mm-hmm. but I didn't care. Cool. I, I would I agree. Think, so I, think, I, was just I think that was one of her better, best moments, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I think Ariana Richards, her, the actress's name, correct. I kind of Googled yeah. it earlier. Yeah, and yeah. I think there were some moments where she was superb. There were some, some moments where I thought, like, <laughs> she looks up the T-Rex and then I think the director must have just said, give her your all and then she just turns her head to the right and then just screams like the zombie does in patient zero and i was like you're overplaying this but it, oh, it was laughable so. okay uh, i didn't think so but again that's that's just the way that we both received the film i guess because yeah. i was i was in it at the time and i think i'm still always 
I, I'm the 11-year-old kid watching it for the first time who was kind of breaking it at that point. So I okay. don't think anything would be necessarily over the top, but I'm not going to say that it's not necessarily the case or disagree with you because we're just literally coming at it from two different views. So yeah. that's fair enough, I think. Um, she, she's, she, she literally looks up, looks at the uh, dinosaur, turns her head to the right and just screams. And I just think, why wouldn't you just scream? Why did you have to turn your head to the right? Wasn't she turning to Alan? I don't remember. No, no, she, she she turned her head. She was still looking up, but she just turned her head to the right onto her like right shoulder. And I just thought that looked weird. Oh, fair enough. Um, either okay. way, fair enough. That's a, that's a criticism, I guess. But um, yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention under the writing is that yes, this feeds into a a massive lineage from the author Michael Crichton, who wrote this. Um, if you don't know about him, he is relatively famous, especially in nerd circles from people like me, because he's an author and a screenwriter. He created ER, and he cool. is uh, he is the writer of the original Westworld movie, um, mm. which once you know that and you compare Westworld to Jurassic Park, you realize that they're almost exactly the same movie. Um, mm. You know, a theme park goes wrong. The attractions in the theme park start killing people. Uh, people didn't have enough respect for this and uh, it's like this guy is obsessed with the idea of we should pay more respect to nature and to people and not rely on machines and technology which can go wrong or um, you know so th that I think for me was a key theme of the writers that I identified in this movie um, have you out of curiosity ever heard of the the movie Westworld or does that mean nothing to you uh, well it just makes me intrigued to want to watch it Fair enough. Um, I, I think it's very similar, but there's no actual biological part of things. It's just like they've recreated the Old West with robotic kind of gunslingers. But it's okay because the gunslingers are programmed that they could never actually shoot to kill an actual human and nothing could possibly go wrong. And then naturally something does. And it's a bunch of people running away from like deadly robotic yeah. cowboys. The next thing I wanted to talk I'm trying. I'm taking way too long because I've got too many notes, but... The acting, uh, the acting is, uh, I think, really good in all cases. Um, I think Goldblum is notable from the second he appears on screen because he's got that kind of star power charisma. So from the first scene in the helicopter and him kind of trying to explain chaos theory and flirting with Sattler and, uh, you know... I think even, that was superb. It was fantastic. I completely agree. And yeah. um, even the line about um, when John Hammond says, he sums it up perfectly, I bring scientists, you bring a rock star, <laughs> which is brilliant. <laughs> but then he completely turns that on his head with probably the most intelligent arguments in the film later on in like the boardroom scenes and stuff when he's yeah. the one that's like you're being way too arrogant you need to respect nature and of course the now iconic life finds a way kind yeah. of thing so it's an interesting and then when he just goes up to the poo and then just takes his sunglasses off and i'll ask <laughs> if like what what a load of shit or something like that that's so, one big pile of shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> You will remember to wash your hands before you eat anything. Yeah, little yeah. touches like that. And again, I love even that in this film, little touches of the humor that I think you, a lesser kind of writers and directors wouldn't think to include, but they just humanize everything and bring a kind of touch to them that's like, oh, even things that are on the surface should be ridiculous and stupid when you may well find them like this. But when um, he's trying to rescue Tim from the tree and at the very end, Tim just exasperatedly just says, well, we're back in the car again, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Or yeah. um, when he's counting down to jump off the fence, then gets electrocuted. So he gives it one, two, gets electrocuted, gets sort of um, CPR by Grant or whatever, coughs, splutters, comes back, and then his line, next word is three, which I thought was just such a cool touch as well. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, but I, think, um, I think you just mentioned it, the scene with the car in the tree, and they have to get the kid out of the car. That was a really good moment, and I just think the stunt coordination for that, because obviously yes. they're not in a real tall tree when they're doing that, yeah. but the stunt coordinator had his all her uh, workout for that scene, and I just think it it ages really well. It does. I think it's really good. It's again, it's a fantastic scene because you wouldn't necessarily think of it in a way, and you're kind of like, wow, we've just had the big T Rex thing, and now we're dealing with all this and. Uh, but yeah. on an acting point of view, I also make a note, and again, maybe it's just me, but I genuinely feel sorry for Tim when Grant goes to find him in the tree and the first thing he says is just a really sort of sad and sullen, I threw up. And he feels genuinely, it's feeling like he's upset with himself and sad about it. So I, I'm kind of heartbroken to hear that. And then I always kind of feel the swell of relief when Grant says like a little bit later, I, don't, I won't tell anyone you threw up, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, little touches like that, I think they, they sell the tension uh, throughout the movie. Um, 
So yeah, I think everyone's great in acting, but while the entire cast excels, I think I have to give special MVP awards to Jeff Goldblum and to Richard Attenborough, who I think are the two biggest stars, uh, biggest yeah, best performances in this. Uh, and I would put Laura Dern, I think, very close behind them. Um, certainly in a lot of the key scenes. And again, I didn't. I thought the kids were good, but maybe <laughs> it was just uh, me. Uh, personally, I would say the standout for me is Lona Dern. Fair I enough. Think she was superb, and I, she's uh, the massive standout. And I'd love to see her other stuff. Uh, well, if you're interested, like I said, there's a lot of David Lynch films and stuff she's done. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars, so and that's she was in the Last Jedi. Jedi. Absolutely, yeah, she was. Don't mention that though on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so when I'm almost done, I just want to talk a little bit about the special effects, but we kind of already have covered how we liked it and how this was kind of the first film to really disrupt and change movies forever. It wasn't the first appearance of CGI. That was things like Terminator 2 and The Abyss, but that was what led the computer boffins to kind of know that they could do more, which eventually was that was led to the dinosaurs. That was the birth of the idea. Um, and it is great, that, like I've mentioned to you, that the mix of CGI and Stan Winston... Um, animatronics, uh, which is the company that made the actual animatronic dinos, um, is really good. And Stan, Will Stan Winston is an absolute legend, RIP. Um, but if you don't know, yeah. he's he's been doing creature designs and animatronics and stuff on everything from... I know he did Predator. I think he might have done the Aliens, all kinds of uh, creatures and, and crazy stuff. So if you get a chance, look him, his work up. It's always great. Um, mm. One thing I didn't know, which, again, I was uh, watching the movies that made us, and it brings this up, is that... Um, the animatronic T-Rex, they didn't realize the issue of filming it in the rain, which was key to the scene, um, because the whole thing was covered in apparently foam latex, which when it gets really wet, it gets really heavy. Um, and obviously it becomes too heavy for the thing to truly balance. So the T-Rex robot thing started shivering really badly um, yeah. and people were genuinely worried like this could bad but uh, again movie magic they stuck through with it and i think it really works but um on a similar note to that i think the effectiveness that a few people have mentioned in various behind the scenes of the triceratops which is completely um animatronic that's not cgi either um and really? a lot of the um, a lot of the actors and stuff have said there wasn't really much acting required because you're seeing this thing in front of you and it actually yeah. is like breathing up and down and it looks like a real thing so the sense of awe was there because there's actually something in front of you not that it wasn't when they were like cgi and stuff but i think it just made it easier for that scene um and again i think you, you get the sense of that i think when grant's kind of lying on its breathing stomach i don't know if that would have worked half as well if it wasn't an actual animatronic dinosaur so the other thing I wanted to bring up is that around the time of the movie, because of the effectiveness of the effects and stuff, there was a lot of discourse about, is the film too scary? Um, which actually put yeah. me off wanting to see it at the time, because I'm a complete coward, or I was when I was a kid anyway. Um, so as an 11-year-old, I was really nervous about going to see the film. Do you think it's too scary, or do you think a PG is absolutely fine, or do you just think it adds to the realism? Oh, is it a PG? I believe so, yeah. I it's certainly no more than a 12. I'll go double check. I'll tell you what. I, I um, mentioned earlier, Indiana Jones. Yeah. There yeah. is some um, really scary and horrific moments in there, mm. but it's only a 12, whereas I would not argue against an 18. Okay. So <laughs> I think that's excessive, but okay. <laughs> no, genuinely, when it, it, like, they're being lowered into, like, lava, and then it's really intense and it's really graphic, I thought, Jesus Christ, this is horrific. And all the imagery of just, oh, I, I don't even want to get into it, but it was at I least, think, a, yeah. at least when a you're younger, you, you, it surprises you what they get, especially at the end of the indie movies. But, um, yeah, whereas yeah. it was a 12 I, instead of a 15, which I think it was definitely justified. So, yeah. in this film, I can understand why it was given a PG instead of a 12, but it, I think PG is very fair, like you would be crazy, like universal, but PG is parental guidance if you're with a parent with this i see no problem but i wouldn't suggest this movie for anyone below eight i think I it's if you're nine, fine. yeah i think it depends when you see it because i saw it very young so i was kind of like it is it's on the cusp but i'm not terrified it was just like that was my first sense of being scared in a movie and it was kind of thrilling but without being you know a slasher movie or loads of gore or whatever yeah. <clears throat> excuse me i've just double checked by the way the first three jurassic parks are pg and the first two jurassic worlds are both 12 so there you go. Okay. <laughs> Changing scary. times. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess, but uh, yeah. So 
very quickly, let's see if I have anything else I want to talk about. <clears throat> yeah, just in terms of the movie magic and stuff, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they actually worked through a hurricane on this movie um, to the point that Sam Neill and Laura Dern apparently had a conversation on the beach where they thought that they might die that day because it was a really horrendous hurricane. Really? Um, absolutely, yeah. They were in Hawaii filming some of the island scenes and stuff. But Did they film during the hurricane to get some realism, maybe? They, Spielberg asked for himself and the... Uh, camera crew to go out and film scenes because there's a storm that's part of the film. So yeah. because it's part of the plot, he was like, let's get some B unit or whatever they call it of the storm because it'll it's an actual real storm and then we can include it in the film. But he basically was out there for you know just long enough to get the things and then was like, let's okay, let's run like F to the shelter because <laughs> we're in trouble here. Um, but the reason that I mention it is because I didn't know until watching again movies that made us documentary that um Kathleen Kennedy, who was the producer on this film, or a producer, uh, apparently single-handedly kind of uh, arranged transports off the island for everyone and brought in supplies and food and drinks mm. and stuff. Are so... we sponsored by that documentary by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should be. The only reason I wanted to mention that is for all the people that are convinced that Kathleen Kennedy is the worst thing ever because she took over from George Lucas for Star Wars and they forget that she's been working in entertainment for the last like 40 years or something and <laughs> has worked on some of the greatest movies ever and apparently is a really nice person, so... F you, yeah. people. <laughs> um, and yeah, as I mentioned before, I think it's astounding to me that towards the latter parts of the filming of this movie, Spielberg wasn't there because he was off in Europe filming Schindler's List. And I think you will rarely find anybody who makes two perfect movies, let alone at the same time. And I think Spielberg with those two, those are probably two of the biggest and best films ever. Um, so it's pretty out outstanding if you ask me. So. Yes. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to uh, mention before I get to the audience interaction section? Uh, so I think for the most part, the acting is superb. Uh, I think there's some really standout performances, especially from, uh, oh, what's her name? I forgot. Um, Laura Dern. Out. Laura Dern. I think she was superb. Um, again, haven't seen her in anything else, so this really took me by surprise. Hmm. Um, I really like the approach he did with, again, this is pretty much my conclusion, but like, with the low-key actors, like the lead uh, cast. Then again, you did have uh, Amber and you did have uh, Samuel L. Jackson in like a reduced cameo role. He wasn't really of. huge though at the time. That's that's one of was the things not? that was like, um, for years and years, I forgot that he was in this movie because he wasn't really a star yet as such in 93. Um, mm. he'd, he'd done a couple of like Spike Lee movies and was known for black cinema, but... Yeah, it's always like it's weird because he became a star on other stuff, and then going back to watch Jurassic Park, I was like, "Oh yeah, he's in this." <laughs> <It's Yeah. so weird. laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, I think phew, it's very in innovative. Most of it holds up extremely well to the point you'd think it was released yesterday. Um, yeah, we see the dinosaurs early and often, and I think that's a really good move. Like I think you mentioned earlier like the build up to it like they weren't able sh straight away and then they disappear and then like where the hell are they and then you could just see them peering over the top of the car the eye and i just thought again excellent direction from spielberg uh but yeah direction superb cgi excellent uh all around this is a superb film and i'm really glad i watched it uh, finally <laughs> awesome Fair finally enough. um well, I'll uh, briefly get into the audience interaction before we give our conclusions, because uh, I could okay. talk about everything that's great in the film all day, but we'd be here forever. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I put out a poll on Twitter which asked, how would you rate the original Jurassic Park? Uh, there are 54 total votes. It's now finished. 4% of people said one or two stars out of five. I don't, quite, don't know what they were watching, but whatever. 7% um, of those 54 said it was three stars out of five. 26 percent of those people said it was four stars out of five, and a whopping sixty-three percent. Jeez, easily the uh, leading score was five stars out of five. Did have a few things that people have said as well. So on Twitter, I did promise to mention people that have said their own thoughts. So at uh, HJ Chuck says one of my all-time favorite movies, and I might get flack for this, but in my opinion, John Williams' best score. So take it up with him before you start. Uh... With me. <laughs> Um, Fair at, enough. at Philly Liquor Law says my two main ones, main thoughts: the mix of practical effects and CGI is perfect and makes the movie extremely great looking. Two, as always, another John Williams scoring masterpiece. 
So that's not my words. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, Tave Viorinen at Genie Metsuri, sorry if I'm butchering that, says Velociraptors were cheap aliens covers. Good flick, though. It's been a decade or so since I saw it. I don't think I agree with that, but okay, fair enough. That's one point of view. Um, at Mangler112 says, I love it. Pretty much watch it every year. Me too. Um, <laughs> and my good friend, PLD, uh, Paul Denuzio, who uh, flits around the internet on various film channels and stuff, he's a good dude, uh, wrote on Letterboxd, Stream of Consciousness Thoughts. Wow, this movie simply holds up, and it has nothing to do with effects, though those also hold up strongly. The first reveal of the Brachiosaurus is one of those moments that we as the audience are fully in the film with the characters and life should be scored by John Williams. Um, this is one of the most representative movies of Spielberg's career. It encapsulates, encapsulates all he has to offer. Visual composition, a feeling of hope, a feeling of adventure, a love of family, that general appeal to the child in us. It may not be his greatest achievement, but it does have it all. Um, it's amazing that this film is so successful, even though there isn't one actor or performance that seems necessary or memorable. It's not that Sam Neill, Laura Dern, or Jeff Goldblum or anyone is bad. Not at all. They were great. They just take a backseat. Slightly disagree with that. Um, and I, I, I agree, because, again, none of the performances are like... If you think about the best performances you've ever seen, I wouldn't say any of these in this film are up there. Like, they're, they're really good. But again, when you compare it to the other best films, it it doesn't stick out. Okay, fair enough. Would you um, agree? Or would uh, you say that this one that's like, boom, that's right at the top there is excellent? Because I love the film so much, I think there are moments that do that for me. Um, but I think if, on the if, whole, you're, on if, the whole. if you're putting on sort of the film critic's hat and seeing like, is there one performance that really, I think there's probably only Richard Attenborough and in that one scene, I think that was like, this could be an Oscar winning speech moment kind of film yeah but again i don't think anybody's bad um no 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 no, no. i'm just saying there's some really good acting yeah, yeah. but I, I agree that some people took the back bench like you mentioned um mm. i can't remember the character's name for the life of me but the flurry one uh jeff goldman's character dr malcolm yeah like he had a really big intro in like the first half of the film but then in the second half all he's really there is just to lay down with a shirt off and that's well, all he gets to do and then i think yes he was good when he was in it but now he's kind of decreasing because he's not given a lot to do well if it helps you at all he's the actual lead of the sequel so oh, okay <laughs> there you go Fair enough. um but yeah just to finish off what paul uh, was saying he just film finishes with this film is one of my favorite childhood memories of seeing in a theater which again i absolutely word second as well as we've discussed at length i'm sure um so yeah all that remains then is to give our conclusions and scores so do you want to go first or would you rather i start five out of five great film um not one of the absolute best films i've ever seen but it's definitely up there and um only real tiny nitpicks um again there are a couple of things that could have been better then again, you got to think of the r real quality of 99% of this film. Like, there's only that 1% that niggles me, really. So, yeah, it's superb. Uh, definitely a 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5 for me. Awesome. So, your score would be a 5. Um, and I have said just what a film. Uh, my first love, it still gets me. Um, it's really emotional and it just touches my soul, not to get too <laughs> highfalutin about it. I can still quote every line. I think the editing, cinematography, movie, magic is all just A+. It's a special film, and in my opinion, it's as close to a perfect movie as you'll ever get. Um, I'd go higher than the high score if I could, but since I can't, I'll also just say it's a 5 out of 5. And nice. uh, Obviously, the average is pretty easy to work out, so we as a podcast... Would I can't believe we've done this. The first universal perfect school, a beard, there's two of us, but <laughs> finally, oh my god. We've finally done it, we found something we agree on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, completely uh, five out of five from the podcast, as it is the two leads. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Yeah, suffice to say, we both really liked Jurassic Park, and I'm glad that you uh, that I got a chance to introduce you fully and properly to it, and you've actually fully seen it now. Yeah, so. and I will get into the whole franchise eventually. I just need to finish the MCU first, as you know. Oh, there's many a franchise on the go. I know that you're trying to get through, but um, yeah, yeah, as you've been told, I think the Jurassic franchise kind of gradually drops in quality as it goes on. So <laughs> maybe don't be in a rush to get to the very end of it because oh, it's all worth watching, but there's nothing that reaches the heights of this first one. I don't think. 
Um, okay. We'll be back next week with our review of a film that was chosen by you. So I'll let you explain again which film it is. Well, I can't wait to deconstruct this film and get you to watch it for the first time. It is Christopher Nolan's epic movie, Interstellar, which was brought up earlier in this review. In the meantime, you can follow us at screen underscore podcast on Twitter uh, or the hit or miss the big screen Facebook page. I'm at Mike at Iron Mike Wilson on Twitter, uh, and Will is just Will. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks again for joining us, Will, and for watching the movie. I'm really glad you enjoyed it, and, uh, yeah, hopefully we can keep doing this, and uh, we'll be back. And Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Adios.